and welcome to the Backseat Directors Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Hutchins, and you're listening to episode 25. Today we will be discussing and reviewing a very powerful film, one that deals with some of the darker parts of U.S. history, but one that deserves a lot of attention. And today I will be joined with a good friend and fellow movie reviewer on Instagram, CJ Marshall. We hope you enjoy the show. And it's CJ, right? I can go by yeah, CJ. CJ. C- yeah, CJ's fine. Yeah. Okay, you got to tell me, and I hope it's okay that I ask. What's what does CJ stand for? Oh, uh, Christopher John. Christopher John. Is that a family name or anything like that? Uh, yeah, my dad. My dad's name was Christopher. Uh, my grandfather's name, my uh, mother's father, is John, and uh, last name is Marshall. And uh, I'm also a junior, so Christopher John Marshall Jr. <laughs> nice. I like it. I, I like it. <laughs> so CJ. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, CJ. I, I I'm honestly, I, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast, and uh, and you know, even though we have never met each other. You know, we follow each other on Instagram, and and I've actually really enjoyed just reading your reviews and your posts and things like that. So, oh no, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So before we we ask you our get to know you questions, um, yes. I, I want to know just a little bit more about you and just kind of how you got into your love of movies and what made you start your Instagram that focuses on movies. Oh wow, um, I'll try and kind of shorten it. Um, I mean, I'm 36 years old, so uh, there was a long time where I just worked retail jobs, just very unhappy and not really sure what I wanted to do with myself. I always had a gift to write um, from you know a young age. My mother, she sat me down and taught me to read and write very early. Um, and I never considered writing as like pursuing it, like as a career or anything like that until, um, my friends and I started a, a blog, which has since shut down. Um, I'm the only one still writing. They had kids and, you know, just family stuff. Mom, they had to prioritize, which I totally get. Right. right. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's not for everybody. So, um, so I, I took a little bit of a hiatus and, um, but I stayed focused on the uh, on the Instagram just to keep my skills sharp and my analytical skills, uh, you know, sharp and just being able to look at what I see, analyze it, and then give it back to the people. But I I try to be as concise as possible. Um, that was the time where I was applying for the Online Film Critics Society, and we got pretty deep into the process, but ultimately we didn't make it in. So this past year. I'm not allowed to reapply. So that's why I've just been kind of, you know, I took a break from the blogging and, and all that stuff, just trying to kind of redirect and, and see which way I want to take it. But so far the Instagram has been really cool and I've been really enjoyed the, the people like yourself and, and a couple of other profiles that even though I know what I saw when I saw the movie, people bring different perspectives and, and things like that. And, I, you know, it makes me think about what I saw and I go, you know, you know, you're right. I could see that, how you saw that and things like that. So it honestly, the, the dialogue just makes me a stronger, a stronger critic and a, and a stronger consumer connoisseur of, of film, I guess. And I'm, I'm just trying to learn as much as possible from as many people that will teach me. Well, I think that's great. And, and I honestly think that's a really good approach to have more of that open mind, especially when you're putting your thoughts and opinions 
you know, in, in a space that a lot of people will have access to and be able to read. And obviously there are going to be some people that don't agree. <laughs> oh yeah. Yours, yeah true. Your, yours truly. <laughs> and just our different opinions on Dunkirk. <laughs> right. Right. But that's, right. That's a separate conversation. We'll, we could save that yeah. one for later, but, um, but, but I'll tell you what though, had, had we, had we not disagreed, and come to an understanding, we wouldn't be here at this moment. So everything is is for good, you know. Well, and and I really like that <laughs> the, the way that you look at that because I do agree. And you, the way you um, dissect and review a movie and kind of your grading scale, it's very unique. And I I've never come across anyone that uses that same type of grading scale. And um and and we'll we'll I'll give you a chance toward the end of the podcast after we we review our movie to maybe okay. give your own grading scale, um you know and share that on the podcast and I'll also at the end of the podcast I'll give you a chance to, um let all the listeners know how to get a hold of you and follow you on Instagram and other things like that. Um so oh, right thank you. Yeah yeah no absolutely so um well thank you for sharing that um you know I I think you definitely have uh, a much more experienced. Um, I guess just in terms of the amount of time that you have spent in reviewing movies and cinema and things like that. And in your experience with putting your reviews out there, this podcast is fairly new. Uh, my first episode I debuted in March of this year. So it, it oh, right you know, definitely very new. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I'm, I feel like I have a much more experienced person on the podcast and I love it. <laughs> I think it's awesome. And, and so, yeah, I'm really excited. So CJ, one of the things that we, we do on every episode and it's just a way for our listeners to get to know you since we have a new guest host on every episode. Um, okay. And so for them to get to know you and to show your own diversity and also the commonality of what we like and don't like about movies, we're okay. going to do some get-to-know-you questions. Now it's time for some get-to-know-you questions. All right. No problem. I'm ready. All right. So, CJ, question number one. What is your Desert Island movie? Wow. Um, I would have to – well, my – my first favorite movie, uh, I would say of all time, believe it or not, is uh, Big Trouble in Little China. That's my favorite movie. Oh no way! <laughs> Dead serious. Dead serious. That that <laughs> is one of the most bizarre and strange, and yet very rewatchable films. <laughs> exactly. It, it, you know, and the older I get, and you know, I, I saw it when I was young. So now that I look at it, I just go like. Like, this is just madness. Like, how did they even get this movie made? You know what I mean? It was the 80s. But, um, it was the 80s. Every movie got made back then. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. No, that's a great answer. That's that's an excellent answer. Yeah, gosh. You know, so, and um, just in case you uh, haven't listened to all the episodes of the podcast, but uh -huh. um, I, I'm, I'm actually collecting all the answers for each of these questions. Um, oh, okay. And so once I get to my 100th episode, I'm going to just have a list and release the list and show everybody like, you know, what answers we've had in common and which ones have been unique. This one is definitely okay. unique. So that's great. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All right, CJ, question number two, what is your favorite movie theater snack? Uh, man, uh, I'm going to be super basic here and just go with popcorn. Butter or no butter? Uh, butter. Um, <laughs> it, it, it used to be so much butter that it would be dripping out of like the bottom of the box. But I kind of, <laughs> I, I kind of pulled back from that a little bit and now just enough to get the flavor, but you know, not so much that I'm, you know, my lap is drowning in it. So <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good, man. That's good. I think my wife and I, we're, we're, we're still on the, uh, 
um, so much butter that it's dripping on us. Uh, <laughs> roll right yeah. now. So yeah. But it, oh, but, but see, the trick the trick is to eat it before it congeals on the bottom, right? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that's a picture you don't want to imagine in your head right now. So <laughs> nah, nah, it's it, it's happened before, and I'm um, you know, I'm kind of embarrassed, but hey, what the heck. <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. All right, CJ. Question number three. What was the first movie that made you cry? Or if you can't remember, what was the last movie that made you cry? Uh, the first movie. Uh, first of all, I'm not ashamed to admit that if a movie gets to me, I do shed tears. So, you know, I am a crier. Um, I'd say the, the first movie would be um, I was really young, but uh, Beaches. I don't even remember the whole story, but I remember being very sad at the end because of, you know, what happens at the end. Mm. Um, but more recently, uh, probably a better answer is uh, 12 Years a Slave. Actually, when um, he returns at the end and all of that stuff he's been through and just just the, the madness that he experienced with oh, slavery and, oh gosh, and racism. Yes. And his first reaction at the very end to see his family is, I'm sorry I've been gone for so long. Oh, when, I know. When, when he said that, like, it, man, I lost it. I totally lost it. Like, that, that's probably the last movie. That and Fruitvale Station, uh, when, the, when his daughter asks where his dad is. Like, that one got me too. Yeah. So I, I, I include this question uh, in, in just this list, these lists, uh, or this list of questions, mm-hmm. um, because of just how I view movies and that I feel like movies for so many people, uh, movies are very personal and movies mm-hmm. have the ability to touch us and to move us in many different kinds of ways. And, and crying is definitely an emotion that I, <laughs> I definitely experience in lots okay. of movies. And so, um, and so yeah, 12 years of slave. I remember the first time I watched it, I, um, I watched it on a plane, uh, yeah. while just traveling for work. I'd never seen it. And yeah, I just put it on my iPad, watched it, and I was bawling. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a that's a. I mean, it's it's a beautiful movie, but it's a rough watch. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and, and yeah, just kind of very similar to the movie that you and I are going to discuss today. Uh, oh yeah, a, a heavy, a very heavy emotional type movie, um, but yeah. still very moving and very inspiring as well. Yeah, yeah, very good. Okay, CJ, we're coming to the end. Question number four: Do you have a favorite? director and or actor uh wow um i would say uh right now my uh favorite directors i'm sorry i don't have just one but um and i like them for two very different reasons uh fincher david fincher uh is probably going to be my top director um watching uh michael douglas in the game when i was younger i saw it in the movies with the uh the ending that it had i that's the first time i really saw my my first, you know, twist mm. and it, it just, I'm like, holy crap. I've, I've never experienced this before. I've never seen it before. Th- that's what made me start paying attention to the craft of, uh, of movie making and writing. Mm. And, um, uh, after that, it would probably be Soderbergh just because he, you can clearly tell he's doing whatever the heck he wants, whenever the heck he wants. And he makes the movies he wants to make. And, I really appreciate that that um that free spiritedness that he has. I mean, I've read about him and of course he kind of hates the whole Hollywood system, so it's kind of like a a middle finger to the status quo, but I've enjoyed probably, you know, the majority of his movies. So I'd have to say those two directors. Um right now my favorite actors are uh 
Oscar Isaac and uh, John Bernthal. Oh, nice. Wow, John Bernthal. Very good. John, like people, like for, for anybody listening, you guys just don't understand. Like John Bernthal is so talented. Like people might know him because, he, he, you know, he, he does good acting stuff, but then he does some niche stuff. Give him a couple more years. Like he is going to be like, I love that dude. I'll watch anything he's in just because he's in it. Seriously. Well, so he was just in Baby Driver and I, yeah. I was kind of surprised at how small his role was in Baby Driver, even though yeah. he wasn't in it very long. I loved his scenes. Um, but yeah, yeah, I was I was hoping he was going to be in that one more. But he is coming up in a movie this this month. I think it's next week um, and it's called Pilgrimage. And it actually has Tom Holland, Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man in it. Oh, wow. And apparently, John Bernthal, his character in the movie, he is a mute. So... Um, oh, that's yeah. So, okay, yeah, now we're really yeah. gonna see what's going on. Yeah, a very unique type of role, you know, where <laughs> you're not gonna have any lines, you're not gonna say anything. So you're, yeah. you're in terms of your physical ability to act, you know, that that's gonna really shine if, if he can pull that off. So uh, yeah, keep I, keep an eye out for that. And speaking of yeah. Soderbergh. Um, he's got a movie coming out this month as well. So, uh, Logan Lucky, um, is, Oh, that looks hilarious. Yeah. And so I'm pretty excited for that one. Those are great choices. I, um, I'm not too familiar with the first director you mentioned. What was his name again? Uh, David Fincher. So what, what list a, a few movies that he's done? Oh, wow. Um, I think the first one everybody will probably point to was like seven with uh, Brad Pitt oh. and, and uh, Morgan Freeman. Okay. I didn't know he directed that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then um, he directed Alien 3. Um, oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, wow. You know, he's my favorite director. I should be able to answer more of these. Um, no, the no, game, that's of course. Okay. Uh, the game, uh, Michael Douglas. Um, what else? What else? Uh, the the girl with the dragon tattoo adaptation. Oh, nice, he, uh, nice. He did the he did the American version. Okay, so just just a, a uh, Panic a, Room stuff like that. Oh, Panic Room is with Ryan Reynolds, isn't it? Uh, with um um. Oh wait, wow. what, I'm thinking of something else. Maybe I'm thinking of uh. Oh, oh I, maybe you're thinking of uh where he was in the coffin. I oh, can't yeah, remember yeah. the name. No, of that pa- movie Panic right Room. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, gosh, I gotta look this up now. J- Jody Foster was it? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, Jody Foster. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Jody I, I just... Foster and Kristen Stewart. <laughs> yep, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, Ooh, you know, Kristen Stewart also. I think she's underrated. I know she gets a bad rap, but I think she has some talent for sure. Oh wow, that's that's very good. Believe you, it or not. Yeah, you might incite some uh, some nice conversation online if you say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, people. You know, I, I, you know, I mean, fans will be fans, but I, I try to be as objective as I can be. Can I add one more person to that actor list, really quick? Absolutely, I can't say no okay. to that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, what's uh, what's his name? Uh, is it Logan Lerman, the Maze Runner? Oh, you know, I, I've I've seen bits and pieces of that movie, but uh, uh, not the whole one. I, I I'm not sure. Okay, the um, I, I'm pretty sure it's Logan Lerman. He, I think he's a, you know a young actor. Uh, I think he was on like Teen Teen Wolf and stuff like that. I think he's a solid actor. I think as he as he grows and he starts to get more roles, we'll see some really cool stuff from him. So I, I like to watch out for him too. Hey, listeners, just a quick side note, but. Uh, CJ asked me to come in here and correct this. Uh, it's actually Dylan O'Brien and not Logan Lerman. 
Nice, nice. Well, that's a very diverse list that you have there. I, I like it. No, I think it's great. All right. Okay, CJ, last question. Okay. And this one, okay. this one usually, uh, the, my co-hosts that I have on the show, they usually say this is kind of the harder, harder one. But uh, okay. um, if you could change the ending of any one movie, which movie yes. would it be and how would you change it? So if, if it's a recent movie, just give a soft spoiler warning for our listeners. Okay. Um, the most recent movie I can say is uh, uh, Beatrice at Dinner. Um, I don't really have to say too much about what the movie's about or anything, but the the movie, I mean, excuse me, not the movie, but the ending just came out of nowhere. I have no idea why they ended it the way that they did, and I almost feel like it almost kills the entire movie because up until that point, I thought it was amazing commentary on class and society and and immigration all of those things and for it to end the way it did i, I kind of think they were going for some sort of you know metaphor but i think they totally missed it that's just me personally so but, um, do, you, do you have a, a, a an alternate ending that you would like to suggest not without spoiling the film <laughs> but um uh i would um oh uh, wow um and, and that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, Spoiler's I, I really... okay with this one. And so, yeah, we'll just listeners. If you don't want to listen, just fast forward like thirty or forty seconds. So let's let's hear it. How would you end it? Um, she goes on living. I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'll say. <laughs> oh man, you know. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's good, man. That's good. I like it. I like it. <laughs> all right, but CJ. It, it, as far as an old movie, um. I gotta say, uh, Revenge of the Sith. Mm, really, really. Yeah. Okay, you piqued my interest. How, how would you okay. end it? Um, first of all, um, get I rid of get rid that. of the no. Well, I mean, honestly, that's probably like eighty percent of the problem. But, <laughs> but um, I wouldn't have killed uh, Darth Maul and Phantom Menace. I would have kept them the whole trilogy. Hmm. Um, I probably would have had Anakin be injured by destroying Darth Maul. Um, and then, you know, him turning into Vader at the end and then Padme um, having uh, Luke and Leia, like all of that just um, it, it just felt so accelerated. Like you gave us these three movies, you know, love them or hate them. I mean, that was the the origin of, of Vader, of Anakin, the yeah. Anakin's life story. So just to to have it in that way, just it felt just I felt. I felt cheated. I really did. Like um, <laughs> you and millions others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I really felt cheated on on that one. Yeah, you know. So that's uh, that's my answer for that. This is the first time I've heard anyone suggest. No, it's not the first time I've heard people suggest to keep Darth Maul alive because I, I think I think that's that should have been the direction of the movies is to keep him alive just because of how. Uh, intriguing and and just overall awesome of a character he was, and to kill oh, him yeah. off in the first movie was so just terrible. Um, yeah, but very short sighted. But this is the first time I've heard anyone say to keep him alive and fight Anakin. Now that that could have been something to behold. Wow, I'm just imagining yeah. that right now. <laughs> because I mean, you know the, uh, you know him and and him turning on Obi Wan finally. Like I, you know, I get the the symbolism of that, and that's his complete flip to the you know to the dark side so to speak because right. i mean when he killed Ma when he killed mace windu like literally he 
killed Mace Windu, and then he, like, 10 seconds later, he bows to Palpatine, and all of a sudden, he is Darth Vader at that point. I thought that was just really weird. But they always have that thing that they talk about how, you know, there can only be a Master and Apprentice Sith or whatever. Maybe, like, for him to destroy Darth Maul would have just been the ultimate, like, show of of his power or whatever, because, I mean... Obi-Wan wrecked him and that was hilarious. Me and my friends were laughing when that happened, but but um but yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen that just Maul maybe ripping his way through the entire trilogy only to finally have Anakin have the power to defeat him by giving in to his anger and his hate and you know so on and so forth. That's kind of how I would have done it. Jeez, man, you should have we should have written George Lucas. <laughs> I think I think a lot of people are wondering who the heck was counseling George Lucas on the direction of these films, but uh, <laughs> yeah, nobody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So well, I I take it, CJ, that you're you're a pretty big Star Wars fan just from this conversation alone. Oh, absolutely! I love oh, Star Wars. Nice man. Well, we'll we'll have some we'll have some more conversations offline with Star Wars. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, CJ, those those were excellent answers. Thank you so much. And now that our listeners have gotten to know you a little bit more, let's go ahead okay. and introduce this week's movie. Backseat Directors presents this week's movie. Uh, this week's movie review is going to be on Detroit. Movie details. Coming from a place of illusions and being blinded, I've been around it. July 23rd, 1967. Detroit police raid an unlicensed drinking club called The Blind Pig on 12th Street. Only expecting a few revelers, police officers encountered over 80 people inside The Blind Pig who were there to celebrate the return of two local GIs who were serving in the Vietnam War. It was decided that the police would arrest everyone present at the Blind Pig, all the while onlookers began to gather outside. The crowds grew quickly and became very restless. Amid the turmoil, a glass bottle was thrown at a police car, which began a chain reaction of events that led to the Detroit riots of 1967. The rioting lasted five days and became the deadliest and most destructive riots in U.S. history. 43 people died, 1,189 injured, over 7,200 arrested, and more than 2,000 buildings were destroyed. The rioting was so severe that Michigan Governor George W. Romney requested the assistance of Michigan State Police and the Michigan Army National Guard to assist the Detroit Police Department to help reestablish order. During these five days, law enforcement took gunfire from snipers scattered in neighborhood buildings and windows. One group of police officers suspected that to receive sniper fire from a nearby building and ended up raiding the Algiers Motel. The raid resulted in the beating and murder of young, defenseless African-American boys. Detroit was released in U.S. theaters on August 4, 2017. It has a running time of 2 hours and 23 minutes, and it is rated R for strong violence and pervasive language. Parents, this is not a movie for children, and even some adults will have a hard time watching this movie. Uh, Detroit stars John Boyega as Dismukes, Algie Smith as Larry, Jacob Lattimore as Fred, Anthony Mackie as Green, and Will Poulter as Police Officer Krause. This is John Boyega's second feature-length film since starring as Finn in The Force Awakens. 
Jacob Lattimore most recently played in Collateral Beauty as Time. And all of our superhero movie fans will most certainly recognize Anthony Mackie as he has played Falcon in numerous Marvel movies. Last but not least, Will Poulter is a British actor known for his roles in the 2015 film The Revenant and in 2010 as Eustace Scrub in The Chronicles of Narnia, Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Detroit is directed by Catherine Bigelow. Bigelow has cemented herself in Hollywood as one of the best directors today. She has won many awards, but most notably, she won Best Picture for her 2008 film, Hurt Locker. She was also nominated for Best Picture in 2012 for Zero Dark Thirty. She has also directed the ever-iconic 90s film, Point Break, starring Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves. Detroit had an estimated production budget of $34 million, and the total box office sales here in the U.S. have brought in over $7.5 million so far. Now, on to the review. Backseat Directors Movie Review. All right, CJ. So let's uh, let's go ahead and just jump into this movie. And and okay. I, I just, I feel like I, I need to just tell you and to tell everyone that I feel very underqualified to talk about this movie. Okay. Um, for a few reasons. One, um, in terms of my uh, depth of knowledge and its historical context of what Detroit is about and the mm-hmm. events surrounding um, the the uh, Detroit riots of 1967, what led to that, and ultimately what you know how it ended, I, I just I I just don't know enough, and I wish I did, and okay. and because of that. You know, I just feel I just feel really underqualified. But you know, I I saw the movie just not a couple hours ago, so it's been really okay. recent, very fresh on my mind. I think you saw it just last night, correct? Uh, yeah, just last night. Are you? Uh, have you gotten your bearings since you watched it? Oh man, you know, I I actually sat in the theater <laughs> for like ten minutes, just just like just just sitting there, just thinking about about what I just witnessed, and um, yeah. and so you know, uh, so yeah, so. Just a, you know, just, I guess a disclaimer for, you know, hopefully just, (laughs) I just, I don't, I don't want people to think that I'm an expert on this just because I saw the movie because I'm clearly not. And so, Mm -hmm. um, but because you and I have seen the movie, I do want to talk about it because, um, you know, in terms of being the best film, uh, film, films are very subjective anyway, in in terms of who is viewing it and they're, you know, just really so many things go into the viewing experience of a movie but in terms of its importance this is one of the most important if not the most important movie to come out this year so far and so i i really do want to talk about it and so i'm really excited to have you on the podcast to discuss this with me and so oh yeah um, i appreciate the invite yeah so cj let's just let's just go ahead and get into it what well, i just okay. want to start off with knowing kind of your thoughts and feelings leading up to seeing detroit um Leading up to it, I, you know, seeing the previews, you kind of have an idea of of what's going to go on. It, it it looked to be kind of like an isolated incident. I wasn't aware of the, you know, the Algiers Motel incident until I saw this movie. Um, so looking at it, I, I kind of knew what they were getting at, but I didn't understand the historical significance of the events. But... Watching them, seeing the preview, expecting one thing, and then um, seeing the way they presented what they were going to show us before they got into that that particular you know incident in question, 
was um, I wasn't expecting a lot of that. Like they gave a lot of historical information and context. And um, yeah, for a second I thought, oh man, this is going to be like a, a Peter Berg, you know, kind of historical docudrama kind of thing, but which it kind of was, but when when it got to that motel man like that was that shift was was crazy like it it was almost like a horror movie oh oh my gosh that that is one of the best ways to describe it because i had that exact same type of feeling while okay. witnessing that entire scene which was yeah which which was the the bulk of the movie itself yeah it, yeah it, oh man so um I I think uh, I think my anticipation leading up to the movie and just kind of my thoughts going into it, I think it was somewhat similar to yours as well. And and just Mm -hmm. like I already said before, um, I I I had known about the the Detroit riots during 1967, Mm -hmm. but it's detail. uh, And and yeah, and what you said about uh, what happened at the Al Jazeera Motel, I had no idea that that had happened. And and I had no idea that that's what this movie was going to be about. Right, um, me neither. So yeah, it's just after watching the movie and just I don't know thirty minutes before <laughs> before doing this podcast, I was just reading as much as I could just on Wikipedia and other sources on just yeah. trying to get a better grasp of of what happened. Um, because yeah, that the the motel incident is one incident that took place over five days of rioting. Exactly. Um, and so, so, okay. So let's, um, uh, what was your, I, I guess, what was your initial impression after seeing the movie? Just kind of your initial reaction and thoughts. Um, wow. Uh, well, first of all, um, I just want to say, um, I respect, uh, Catherine Bigelow as, as a director, as an artist, you know, who makes film. Um, you know, uh, I, I think, uh, you know, I tried to avoid a lot of media, so I, I think a lot of people have been kind of, you know, coming after her because she's a white lady in Hollywood making a film in this manner. And um, I applaud her for even tackling the subject. And, you know, because a lot of people will say in in um, circumstances like these and, and subject matter like these, like you said to yourself, I don't feel like I'm qualified. But this to me was uh, Catherine Bigelow and her her people her production team grasping with trying to understand the why as to you know how does a society break down like this how do people come to hate each other for no reason and do the things that they do to each other and you know of course i have a a different perspective i myself am african-american so i can relate to it on maybe a different level that other people can't and you know vice versa so i mean you know they're, they're cops that are going to look at this movie with a, a through a different lens uh hispanic people or, or latino people who are going to look at the movie through a different lens white people who are going to do the same thing so it's really hard to be subjective in a movie like this because it's just loaded it's so loaded full of full of you know what the filmmakers want to do and and what people bring with them into the theater you know yeah. And I, I think that's why you see a lot of people like um I, I know a lot of uh reviewers in the Instagram circle who are just like, Yeah, I just saw Detroit. Um I'm not touching that. I'm not gonna review it, things like that. And after watching it, I can see why. I mean, what can you really say? You know? I mean the yeah. the movie you know, the movie was well done. 
the the events are true. And the scary thing is, like you read, you you researched before the podcast, the most horrible things are the truth of it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Right. And, um, yeah. Um, but, there, I, you know, I did have some issues, um, but they're really just like on a artistic, maybe technical level. I, I kind of feel like the the montage at the beginning um, with the with the artistry and and then just kind of like giving the history and and all of that and then you know automatically saying you know Detroit police were very aggressive and things like that. Uh, one of my friends he coined the term. I think he he uh, he coined it really well. He said poisoning the well. I think the writers and and Bigelow kind of kind of slant the perspective at that point. And I, I know a lot of people are latching on to the anti, maybe anti-cop sentiment of the film, but I would encourage people who are going to go see it or who have seen it. Uh, the way I tried to look at the film is just look at the pain that hate and violence bring. Um, you, you, there are a lot of people in this movie on the victim side and on the perpetrator side, very dumb decisions, very ignorant behavior on both sides and just you know some common sense and some decency could have could have just saved a lot of that stuff from happening and it's just sad that you know and and there's one character without giving too much away and i know you know this character everyone's going to know this character he had a very specific dream and a very specific thing he wanted to do with his life after he escaped that motel he was just done. He like his dreams were dead. You yeah, know what his, I mean? His entire life had changed. Yeah. And, and that was, that was so sad that, I mean, despite all the violence and all that stuff, just what hate and what, you know, what hatred does when, you know, when people are oppressed and they finally get to the tipping point and then they feel no other path there is to take except to, burn our city down like you hear people in the movie like no we're gonna burn it down and you have other people in the same community like no don't do that don't burn the city down but they're like yeah these are our homes these are our shops we're just gonna jack all of this stuff up because we're so pissed and that mom mentality takes hold and it's just really it makes me really sad and even more so because oh i'm sorry go on were you gonna say something oh no 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 not at all keep going no keep going okay i'm sorry yeah um i i just um and it just it just makes me think it it makes me wonder also what what was the purpose of the film because not saying that there's you know no purpose to it we need more films like this so we can discuss these things but we have a riot we still riot <laughs> you know what oh, i mean oh i know yeah we yeah. we we still riot it's 2017 we're we're about to head into 2018 you can open your instagram and your facebook and you see cops tasing people beating people like with with abandon, you know, and then you see people doing crazy things to cops as well. Yeah. Which which the the policemen don't deserve. You know, there are good policemen and I think the movie does express that. There are certain scenes where Well just you know, Yeah, um, well just like you were saying, the main character Larry who yeah. escapes from the motel to find himself in the arms of another white cop, but yeah. But this this police officer is very different from the ones that he just escaped from. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was, I was glad 
I was glad that they put that in there because there was a while where I thought that they were just kind of on this, you know, political bent of police brutality is bad. Let me show you how bad they are. And because, like I said, that that motel scene that was like just on a on a physical, psychological torture, like just I couldn't believe what I was looking at and what I was seeing. Like it was so crazy. Honestly, uh, like just watching the movie and just kind of thinking, um, I, I don't know even know why this thought came into my head because I don't know if it's a common thought that would come into anybody's head. <laughs> no, but go on, go on. If you're it, it, just being one of the actors um, in, in those scenes, being in that scene to even act it out and play it out, I feel like some ounce of fear would have crept into your mind and, and into your heart, even if you're acting out those scenes. It was so, so absolutely terrifying and so riveting in terms of its its suspense and you just having no idea what was going to happen next. Oh yeah, every single actor killed it in that in in those scenes. That was just like that was really brilliant stuff what they did. Yes. And so just just going back to a few of the things that you said and I really appreciate the comments that you've said because I think you've been able to see um and and view this movie and just have very open and uh, objective thoughts regarding um, the, just the overall film itself. And so, yeah. um, my, my first thoughts after seeing this movie and you already just touched on this talking about, you know, this was back in the late sixties and yet we're here, we are 2017 and we're still seeing riots. Um, those, that's exactly what I was thinking after the movie here we are, um, you know, close to 60 years later and, and, and it almost feels like nothing has changed. And, yeah. <laughs> and, um, I, and I, I cannot speak for myself because, you know, I, I gosh, I, I grew up in Reno, Nevada, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> Reno is not, um, a, a major metropolitan area and, uh, you know, have, uh, dense, um, you know, just city, uh, gosh, I'm not even using the right terminology, but just, um, <laughs> you know, just, just how dense of a city Detroit is in terms of, you know, um, it's, it's racial diversity and, mm-hmm. and how, where and how people live. I mean, gosh, I, I, I have never experienced anything like that. And yet, um, just, just from what you see in the news and on TV and what you read in the papers and online, this is what I'm, you know, just going off of in, in terms mm-hmm. of my experience. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, 60 years later, and it honestly doesn't feel like much has changed. And, um, especially recently, and it's just crazy. It's crazy to think these things that went on 50 to 60 years ago are, are still happening today. And, and so that's why, uh, just kind of like, uh, what you said and what I said previously of how important a movie this, this really is, and just the story that it's, it's showing and, and, and just telling everyone who sees it. And so, um, I, I had a very similar, um, impression of the movie on, on, and how I saw Dunkirk. So. I thought that Detroit did a better job of developing its characters and helping you 
become more emotionally attached to the characters that were on the screen than Dunkirk did. Not and one I just I don't think Dunkirk focused on getting you attached to the characters. It was a purpose of telling the story. But that's what I mean by my similar viewing experience for Detroit is mm-hmm. that the um and you you said, you know, what was the purpose of the film? And and I I think the purpose of the film itself was to tell the story. It, okay. it is it okay. is it is to tell us something that's not taught in classrooms. Something that that history books today avoid. I, I mean, you know, other than Martin Luther King, I couldn't really tell you much about what was taught in in school growing up in history class. You mm-hmm. know, in, in terms of civil rights and social active movements that have gone on for decades and decades in our country. I mean, Martin Luther King is about it that they I remember learning in class, and so you know, mm-hmm. it, it's just it's interesting to see what we discuss in terms of history and share Mm -hmm. with our kids and those who are growing up in the next generation and then what actually happened. And it's like we pick and choose what we want to tell without, you know, showing the dirty parts of our history. And yet here, here is a very, very grim and dirty part of our history. And so, um, so yeah, those, those are just kind of my thoughts after seeing the movie. And, um, um, for me, uh, we're going to go into critiques now, and I'm going to okay, have a very okay. difficult time critiquing this movie. I'll let you go ahead and go first, and, and I'll share some of the things that I had, um, even though there are very few. Okay. Um, well, like I said, I mean, the story-wise, I mean, the the, the worst parts of it, like, I mean, the, the, there are parts where I go, this is ridiculous. Like, why are they ratcheting, it up, ratcheting what's happening up to, like, they're dialing it up to, like, 13 right now like what is going on and then to look back and read about what happened and all of that stuff is like documented and it just it blew my mind like it blew my mind i I, you know tortured and killed by police just ridiculous yeah like you know what i mean and then wow like that i still can't wrap my head around that well and and crazy crazy psychological games oh, and and then the just, fact that yeah. they even say that it is a game is, yeah is mind-blowing uh, mind-blowing yeah i mean like there's i mean just wow like you know it, there there is one thing that i that i didn't understand I, I don't know if it's a result of the storytelling or just the the pd uh i don't i don't know how these guys were able to continue to do what they were doing when the the movie portrays the higher ups, you know the brass, as like, we know what you guys are doing. We're gonna nail you. You you know what I mean? Right. Yes. And yeah. I, th- 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 there was a lot of that going on. And then I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, but what are you really doing about it? Because you know you're. I, I don't know if that was like a narrative device or if that's how it really was. That part didn't kind of. You know, that that, that kind of made me feel kind of weird. I, I don't really know what was going on with that. I don't know if that was just for the audience. Like, they're going to get theirs in the end. Just wait. But, you know, we, 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 we see how it played out, and they really didn't, which, again, happens all the time. So, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think if I just totally had to had to nitpick, I think the the riot, the Detroit riots as the backdrop – we would have gotten the gist of it without maybe that first half hour of, of just, you know, the docudrama side of it where it just focused on Detroit without even really bringing up these characters into the forefront. 
I kind of feel like they could have kept the movie tightly focused on on the motel itself. Hmm. But but like I said, that's that's pure nitpicking um, in a movie that was, I would say, largely very well done. You right. Know? Yeah. And I mean, the movie the movie is two and a half hours long. It's a very long yeah. movie. And yeah. and its attempts in the beginning is to give its audience the historical context of what is happening at this time in Detroit and why there is this unrest that ultimately right. boils over and and, right. and gives rise to the riot. Um, and, and definitely, I, I mean, and, and yeah, I, I think, I think I could just use myself as an example just because I had very little historical context going into this film anyway. Mm-hmm. And so trying to understand what is happening and why this is happening, um, it, it definitely is a lot thrown at you at once. And so, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, and I know that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to help everyone understand, look, this is what was going on and this is what it's going to lead to, you know, speaking of the hotel or the motel um, incident. Right. Um, okay. So, yeah. So I, I, one of my, one of the things that I was just hoping uh, to get more from was actually John Boyega's character. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, so he, he, and he, you know, he plays a historical figure. He, he was a real person that, you know, yes. was, uh, and a part of this incident. And I just kept asking myself, okay, I'm going to find out what, what is he doing? What, what is his angle? What is his purpose? What, what is, you know, because he's there, he's there the entire time that Mm -hmm. the police brutality is occurring. Not, not that he is witness to everything, but he, he, he's not a cop. He's not a part of the national guard. He's a security officer, but he's a security officer with a weapon. He has a gun. Um, Mm -hmm. And he really, I mean, he, he knows there are bad things happening and he kind of, it puts himself there to be this intermediary. But even, even after that happened, I'm just kind of wondering what is his purpose? What I wanted to know more from his mind. And so I was hoping they were going to flesh out his character more. And even at the end, when he's in the court, mm-hmm. I, I was still hoping, okay, what is going on through his mind? And I didn't really feel like I got that. What about you? Did, did you, did you get that same impression or were you okay with how his character was, was written? Oh no, no, you, you, you hit the nail like right on the head. You know, he kind of had this like passive way of, of dealing with things like almost like, you know what? They're going to be who they are. We can't stop them. So just appease them and right. they'll leave us alone. Right. That was, that was kind of like his approach. And I, I, I found myself wondering too, um, here he is a black, you know, a black man with a weapon. Like you say, he has a security uniform on, but he's not national guard. He's not police. Clearly he's not police because these guys are, are racist scumbags who are just ruining people's lives that night, you know? And how was he able to just participate the way he did or rather maybe not participate when he should have like how was he able to just just stand there and and observe all of that and right, right. well and, and i yeah the thought that just kept coming into my head is okay he is there because he's hoping or he's thinking that that the these white cops will not go as rough on on these young African-American guys um, yes. if he is present. So, or, or they won't have the goal to shoot them if he is present there. That's what I kept thinking. But then, okay. but, but I, I, 
I, that's, that was my assumption, but I never got that confirmation. And so, yeah, so that I was just left wanting more development and insight to what he was thinking. Yeah, no, no, I, I I agree with you. And, and what, what is kind of funny now that you've, you've mentioned it, I don't really feel one way or another about his character. Like Mm. I don't, I, I, I know I don't like him, but I, I don't look at him and I, I don't hate his character either. I'm not looking at him going like, you should have done more. You're, you know, you're weak. Or, or one of the characters earlier in the film calls him Uncle Tom. Right. He, you know, right. tries to break up that, that arrest. And, and it's like, you know, I, I, I really don't. And I, I don't think it's Boyega's performance. I think maybe it was more maybe the way they wrote his character and, and, and how he contributed because it was just very, just a very observant, passive you know, thing that, that he was doing, just, just being there and, and, and doing next to nothing about anything. Right. And, and then even, you know, there was even very little drama when they accused him of being the perpetrator. Right. Right. Which was, and I it, mean, it was, it was a that, big that went, scene. That went nowhere. No, yeah, no. That, yeah. that went nowhere. <laughs> I, I, right, so, I mean, so, cause the next thing you see is that they, they, um, they basically indict those three cops on, right, on right. charges. And so I guess you're just left to assume that John Boyega is okay. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, they, they locked him up in the meantime, but then they started talking to the cops. Next thing you know, they're all in court and he's there with them in court. And I'm just right. like, wait a second. Like, like what? <laughs> you right, know what I mean? Right. And, and, you know, and then they, they do give that disclaimer towards the end where, or at the end rather, where, they're like, you know, we we took this from historical documents and and uh, eyewitness accounts and such and such, but some of it was dramatized where we didn't have information. Yes. I think maybe maybe there's something there that there there was there's a gap there. Clearly, there's a gap there, and we they maybe they just didn't have the information that that they needed to make any of that make sense. I mean, none of it makes sense, you know. But in you know the context of the situation, his behavior was really, really, really strange. And yeah. the way they portrayed that. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% on that. Yeah. And um, so in, in terms of just the editing of the movie and, and, and which characters it was focusing on and which, mm-hmm. which storylines they were driving, I, I, thought, I thought there were parts of the film that were um, just edited in a way to where it was a little bit confusing as to who we were supposed to be focusing on. Ultimately, I mean, the movie, it just seemed like it was about Larry. Um, you know, uh, the, 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 yeah, yeah, the original, uh, original singer of, um, oh shoot. What was the name of, of his, uh, dramatics, the dramatics. Yeah. Yeah. The original um, member of the dramatics. So, and, and, and I mean, the, the last scene of the movie is, is of him. And so, um, so, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, the movie was ultimately kind of his story, but, um, yeah, other than that, I, I really don't have too many things to critique. And it's not that like, I feel uncomfortable critiquing the movie. It's just mm-hmm. because, I I think I think Catherine Bigelow, I I just thought she did a great job of retelling a story that really isn't heard very often. Oh yeah, no, I like I said, I I applaud her. You know, uh, technically, artistically, she she knocked it out of the park. Like I think she did a stellar job. Um, and and you know, um, that also makes me think of uh, when I said the purpose. You know, the the word I probably should have used was like agenda. Maybe not purpose, because yeah, ah, the purpose is to tell the story. Yeah, but is there 
an agenda behind it. Like I could see why people would say that, but I could also see the argument against it. But yeah. um, do you mind if I ask you a question? Yeah, no, go ahead. Oh, sure. So I obviously have a certain take on it considering my background and, and my life experience, whatnot, you know? And I mean, I'm, I, you know, I grew up in Southern California. Like I say, dude, every other word <laughs> and, 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 and like every other, you know, yeah. like, dude, like, I mean, that's, I, you know, I live like five minutes from the beach. Like, I'm not going to sit here. I have experienced racism. I have experienced discrimination, but I mean, not on the level of these folks who are living in these inner cities and, and all of that. I could never say that I have experienced anything to that degree. But right. I mean, I do have a little bit of a, a, of a different perspective. Like I can talk to my, my grandmother and my mother, like my grandmother, she didn't want to go see Selma. She said, why do I want to go watch that? I live that. You know what I mean? Like oh, that's, that's really rough. interesting. Yeah. You know, she says, I, I don't need to see that again. Like I was there, like not at Selma, but I mean, in, in, you know, white, uh, white, uh, drinking fountains and black drinking fountains we'll go through the back. Like she lived through that. She's from Tennessee, Nashville. Yeah. She, she went through all of that. So, you know, you mentioned the beginning and the context and all that. Do you, do you feel like, uh, for for folks like yourself, anybody who doesn't really have an idea of what these people might go through, do you feel like this movie will be informative enough and have that impact, or do you think it was like kind of preaching to the choir? It, it, does that make any sense? What yeah. I'm asking. Yeah, yeah, no, okay. absolutely, absolutely. And, and how, how do you how do you feel about that? I, I how, wish how, I wish I could speak for a very wide audience uh, other okay. than myself, but I, I mean okay. I can only speak for myself. For me, for me, it created a, a much deeper awareness and empathy for just and and it's it's hard to say just for every African American that lives in the United States, because just like you said, you have grown up in California. You, you know, you're, you're a part of the Southern California <laughs> culture, um, yeah. which would be very different from, you know, just uh, other cities and parts of, our, uh, of the country, especially right. parts that are, um, that have much more, um, uh, racial tensions. And so, right. um, for me personally, yes, it absolutely created, a deeper understanding and awareness of what actually goes on in this country and things that we don't really get to see because, you know, I, yeah, I grew up in Nevada, but I live in Utah now, which is uh, one of the least diverse States in the country. And so, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and so, um, it, it, it just, um, I, Utah's beautiful though. Oh yeah, no, I love Utah. <laughs> I love Utah. You know, so just what you were saying about your grandma, you know, and your grandma said she didn't want to see Selma because she didn't have to see it because she's lived it. Yeah, so yeah. I, I look more Hispanic than I actually am. Um, my grandma, uh, so my great grandparents, they immigrated from Mexico. My grandma okay. was born in the U.S., but she is full blood Mexican. Um, okay. She she grew up speaking Spanish in her home, um, but when she got married, she got married to my grandpa who was not. Hispanic at all, but, okay. uh, she did not teach her kids Spanish. And so I, I've asked her in the past, uh, just why, why did you never teach, you know, my dad or all your children Spanish when you yourself were fluent in Spanish and you could have taught them. And she just said, because, because I, I didn't want to, and I didn't feel like, 
um, that I wanted that type of uh, scrutiny or or um, yeah, I guess you could just say racism. I don't know if she's ever used that term specifically mm-hmm. uh, to come on her kids um, just because they grew up in Wisconsin and um, she yeah she just said she just said she didn't feel like it was necessary because of what she was trying to avoid. And right. so, um, you know, but that in terms of harsh racism towards my grandma, I'm not entirely sure if it was anything serious or any other things that she's gone through. Um, but that, it just, I just, I say that just because that's the extent of what I've experienced, you know, growing up. And so, yeah. uh, which is very, very, very minimal. Um, but yeah. just to go back and answer your question again, and like I already said, for me personally, <laughs> I think it created empathy that I thought I had before, but I I think I feel like I have now. And so when, you know, when anything else that is uh, most undoubtedly going to happen again in, in the future with news and things like that, that are going to come out regarding, you know, whether it's police brutality or anything else, anything that is as, and not just against African-Americans, but against, I mean, gosh, think about just the whole social um, um, atmosphere that we have now with immigrants and all types of immigrants and just our overall preconceived notions, biases and prejudices that are just so inherently within us that we don't even notice it sometimes until like tonight, I see a movie like Detroit and it just brings greater awareness. So I hope that answers your question. Oh, no, no, it does. That's like that's that's a beautiful answer, because especially like you talk about your your grandmother and you don't think she experienced anything like overt or or violent. But I mean, whether it's violent or not, the the emotion and the the undercurrent is is all the same across the whole thing. It's just this irrational hatred of people who are different than yourself. Yes, there's no there's no way to justify it or explain it. And, you know, as you know, I, I really want to stay away from, you know, the political thing and and the whole presidential thing and all of that. But I, I've always told people this, um, now with the internet and all that stuff, you see all these people coming out of the woodwork who are anonymous. They hide behind keyboards and they just say the most vile, stupid stuff because, there are no repercussions right there there is a small part of me as crazy as it sounds that is relieved that there is a political climate that allows people to think that it's okay to just come out and be racist and say crazy things and and derogatory things and it's like you know what i can respect a person who could come up to my face and say, I don't like you. You're black. I'm like, you know what? You can think whatever you want about me. As long as you don't touch my property, as long as you don't touch my body, you can go on about your business and say what you want. But I'm glad I know that person. I know who they are. I know to stay away from them. I know what they're about. The people that are the scariest are the people that hide it. Why would you hide it? If you didn't know it was wrong to feel the way you do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So as crazy as it sounds, it has exposed the fact that we have such a long way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> CJ, I could talk to you for 
hours and hours on, on, <laughs> hey, on but this. You know what? We, we, we can do that, just not on the podcast, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Guys, so, I've made a new friend. <laughs> <laughs> hey, same here, CJ. Same here. So um, so just because uh, we're, we're almost approaching an hour in our conversation, and uh, oh, wow. we're going okay. to try to try to get through the rest of our, our podcast and our movie review real quick. Okay, um, okay. Um, but let's, let's go ahead and just, uh, just kind of rapid fire. Um, and I know okay. we've already talked a lot about the highlights and things like that, but tell me, tell me just some of the, your highlights that stood out to you and just kind of rapid fire. Okay. Um, the highlight that stood out to me, uh, I would say is, um, wow, it, it's, it, it's gotta, it's gotta have to be just the, the whole motel sequence. There, there's a lot to the movie, but that, that motel sequence was just like, I, I don't care if you're a horror fan and you you know if you're into torture porn or if you're into slasher stuff or or monsters that's one of the scariest things i've seen in a long time yeah. like that yeah. was just crazy and i can't think about anything other than that than that scene that sequence from from the time they arrived at that hotel to the time where you know people were let go and they ran away like that was just unbelievable to me yeah. um yeah that that's mine. Yeah, and and I I second that. And just to kind of piggyback off of that, one just last highlight that I wanted to add is um the the acting the acting was superb from every single actor that participated in this movie. I I, I there was no doubt that there was a lot of conviction, emotion and just commitment by each of the actors in this movie. The one that I do want to point out though, and I think I I just think uh Oh gosh, it's it it is it is an excellent performance when you come away watching a movie hating, just absolutely hating a certain character and Will mm-hmm. Poulter, who played the main white cop in the movie, you will walk away hating him. And, oh man, and he's just, been, he's gonna get so many jobs off of this movie. <laughs> well, and, and you know, and I've seen him in a few other things, and gosh, I mean he's played in uh um, um, a Chronicles of Narnia movie, you know, so he's, he's, he's had kind of, you know, the opposite end where he plays kind of the nice guy, but this, this was a very intense performance from him and, and it will bring out a lot of anger, at least, at least how I viewed it. And so, um, yeah, just for me that that's, uh, yeah, just one of the highlights that I wanted to mention is the overall acting performance. And so, yeah. um, let's go ahead and end on this. And even though CJ, you and I have been talking a while just about a lot of the themes and messages that we've been taking away. Is there, is there one overall message or theme that you felt strongly about that you got from this movie that you'd like to share? Um, yeah, I, I mentioned a little bit earlier, but to, to make it quick, I just, just what, what violence and anger and, and hatred and fear, what, what it makes people do, whether it's to survive or whether it's to impose that on others, that was really what, what I took away from it. Just, I mean, it's just so crazy to, to, to be in that situation. And it's just sad. It's just so sad. It, it, it really, it really made me sad that people could do these things to each other. You know, oh, I, I, I'm 100 percent in agreement. And and again, just going to piggyback off of you again. Those are my same uh, just the same themes and messages that I took away from this movie is that fear, 
fear induces more fear, and you see that on both ends. The yeah. cop, the cops are afraid. Those that begin the rioting are afraid, and and when when fear is the predominant emotion, that it, it is what in you know basically ignites all of what happened. Um, it, it just spirals. It spirals and it snowballs, and it's this ever growing just burning inferno that just continues to rage and and you nailed it absolutely and and yeah and so i i just when decisions are made based off of fear nine times out of ten it's going to be the wrong decision and maybe even more often than that <laughs> yes and and so and you just in you just see it you see it in everybody's eyes you see it in and you hear it in their voices in the movie how afraid people are and 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 it and it is a very sombering feeling um and and I feel like the movie does a great job of just putting you in in the place of those that are there and you will feel feel that fear as well in the movie and so um and one last thing one last thing that I just wanted to mention and this is something that I've sure. actually been listening to just another podcast just kind of a um more spiritual religious podcast I listen to but it okay. I, it um there is a topic that I've become really interested in and it's called the myth of redemptive violence, meaning that you return violence for violence. Um, or as the Bible would say, you know, an eye for an eye. And, and so, um, when, when, when someone attacks us, whether, whether emotionally or physically or however it might be, it is within our human nature to want to return that same type of treatment back to those who gave it. And because that is within our human nature, it is very easy to succumb to those feelings. And and so, yeah, so to, to rise above, to be able to do what Martin Luther King Jr. preached, and that is to not return violence for violence, um, but to do what he did, and that is peaceful protesting. Um, it's just... It is, it is a very difficult thing. It's easy to say it. It's another thing to actually walk the walk. And, um, and so, yeah, so I, I, I just, gosh, uh, th- those are the things that I took away most from this movie. Any final thoughts before we head into our recommendation, anything else you'd like to say? Um, I would just, uh, like to encourage anyone who's listening. Uh, I know we've talked about some, some really heavy stuff and, and, you know, uh, a lot of people like my, my own brother, my, my own brother has told me if it's not blowing up, if people aren't getting shot up, I don't want to see it. And I mean, that's his right as a as a moviegoer. But I think it's important to support stuff like this and, you know, challenge yourself a little bit, but but go see it. Go see it. See what you think about it. See how it makes you feel. And, you know, go from there. Maybe you know, evaluate your own life, your own thoughts, your own feelings and, and see how you can go out and just somehow, some way try and make this world a better place because we need as many people as possible all working towards that same goal. That's, that's all I really have to say. And, and really quick talking to you about this film has actually made me appreciate it even more than I did when I left. Okay, so well, CJ, I, I honestly cannot. I, I don't think I could have said it any better, and I think those are great final words just to go ahead and go ahead and end this podcast. Um, so we're gonna do our final segment, and that is our backseat director's recommendation. Okay.
our recommendation. So CJ, what I do is uh, I I don't give ratings uh, for movies, okay. but I'll let you do that if you feel so inclined. Um, what I do is just I just give out a recommendation on whether or not I think this is worth seeing in theaters. So I do. Okay. It's either go see it, which I just I, my, that is my recommendation that it is a must see. Okay. Um, two, uh, either it, so it's either go see it or a maybe wait. Meaning I think the movie is worth seeing, but you can maybe wait until it comes out on video, or okay. it's a no go. So. I'll let you give the recommendation last. I'll go ahead and give mine right now. My recommendation is that it is a go see it. I know that this movie is going to be a hard watch for most people. It's not a movie that you're going to walk away feeling really good about life and about the world. But I feel like it is, and I've said this before on podcasts previously, um, specifically ones that have come out this year for The Zookeeper's Wife and Dunkirk. These these mm-hmm. these are stories within history that are so critically important to continue to tell and Detroit is one of these movies and I feel like one of the best ways to pay your respect for those who experience this and for us to gain a greater understanding and like I said before empathy for those who continue to go through things like this today is to go see a movie like Detroit and to support it and so yes my recommendation is a go see it CJ what is yours Okay, uh, my, my grading system is uh, basically I have three levels like you do. I have uh, watch it, which means, you know, see it as soon as you can. Maybe a matinee, which is you might enjoy it, but, you know, don't pay full price. It's not that great. And then just a flat out no. Um, <laughs> that's very similar. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, my, that's my grading scale. And, and I definitely say watch it. it. It needs to be seen. It needs to be you know, studied, it needs to be, and, and, and even if it, I mean, it made me go back and see if that stuff really happened. So I was looking through, you know, books and Wikipedia and, and, and all of that stuff. And I think for, for the time being, it's probably stuff that we're not going to get in everyday history classes and, and, and things like that. So the more you can educate yourself and, and get some context as to, you know, what's happening in the world, uh, it, it can only help, I think. So definitely, challenge yourself go see it um prepare yourself of course it's not going to be easy watch definitely prepare yourself and uh i mean you're listening to backseat directors we're telling you to 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 go see it but try not to read too much media about it if if you if you can't help it go go, make up your own mind about it and and how it makes you feel and i think it's going to be better that way it'll have more impact that way excellent stuff cj cj this has been this has been one of my most favorite conversations that I've ever had on doing oh, a movie so review. <laughs> this thank is, you. I appreciate that. Thank you. This has been excellent stuff, man. And and I'm really, really grateful that you've taken the time out of your schedule to come on this podcast. So thank you. No, I, I appreciate the invite. Uh, anytime you uh, want to reach out and, and please just, just give me a call. No problem. Well, I will take you up on that offer. And, and so listeners, um, you you heard it from both CJ and myself. That is two recommendations on a go see it. Um, CJ, why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners um, how they can get a hold of you if they want to continue today's conversation, talk a little bit more about Detroit or any other movie, or just follow you on social media. How can they do that? Okay. Um, I have my phone on me pretty much all the time. I'm not, you know, kind of ashamed to say that, but I mean, it is what it is. It's 2017. Um, <laughs> I, I'm uh, on Instagram. I'm at CJ saw it. Um, CJ S A W I T. And uh, the same on Facebook. And I post 
what I write, it's, you know, it's duplicate. So whether you get it from the Facebook or the Instagram, you know, it, it, it's all the same. So yeah, that's how you find me, CJ Sod. Awesome. And listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you for downloading today's episode. Make sure to stay up to date and subscribe to the podcast. You can find Backseat Directors on on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, Stitcher, and really any other uh, podcast outlet that you may subscribe to. Um, make sure to leave us a rating on iTunes uh, and let us know what you think of the podcast. And again, on behalf of CJ and myself, this is Andre signing out, and we'll see you guys next week at the movies. The Backseat Directors theme song is Let's Go to the Movies by Ozo Motley. You can find the album Ozo Motley presents Ozo Kids and all of their other music on iTunes. Join the conversation online and follow Backseat Directors on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The BD Podcast.